Hey, everybody. If you've been looking for love at first sight, it's closer than you think. It can be found at your local shelter. So this June 7th to June 9th, join the Pedigree Adoption Drive and the Pedigree brand will reimburse your dog adoption fees nationwide. Pedigree knows that bringing a dog into your home not only opens their heart, it can open yours too. Visit pedigree.com slash adoption dash drive to learn more and see full terms and conditions. Hey everyone, Homes.com knows having the right agent can make or break your home search. That's why they provide home shoppers with an agent directory that gives you a detailed look at each agent's experience, like the number of closed sales in a specific neighborhood, average price range, and more. It lets you easily connect with all the agents in the area you're searching so you can find the right agent with the right experience and ultimately the right home for you. Homes.com, we've done your homework. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know, a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant. There's Jerry over there. Jerry's not eating anything today, Chuck. The air is clear. And did you just do that as a coaster? Yes. <laughs> I don't want to make a chinky sound every time. like chung, chung, Oh, chung, okay. I thought... Like this. I don't yeah, want yeah. that. I want this. No, I get it. Did you hear that? You didn't hear anything. No, I, I'm, I said, so everyone, Josh just folded up his notes and put his uh, can of cola down on that. And I've never seen you do that. And I thought you were trying to preserve this cheap Ikea desk. <laughs> no, this thing is <laughs> tougher than leather. Okay. So it was a sound thing. Sure. It's, a, it's a sound dampening technique. Man, look at us after all these years. Yeah. I just came up with that. Up in our game. <laughs> um. So, Chuck, do you remember we did a Social Security number episode? Did we? I thought so. You don't remember that one? Oh, sure. It was one of those ones where you're like, my eyes are going to bleed because this is so boring. But it turned out to be pretty interesting. Sure. That was one of those. Yeah, I remember that. But we should give a little bit of a refresher on Social Security numbers, okay? Yeah, here's mine. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're going to give your, your, yeah. 28794. No, I don't even, because what if I just accidentally said someone else's? Like made one up. Oh, right. And people and are like, oh, let me go at, try that. Yeah. And some dude's listening. And it's like, dude, <laughs> how'd you know? Yeah. Todd. Why <laughs> is always Todd? <laughs> I don't know. So social security numbers, uh-huh. get this, everybody. They first started being issued in November of 1936. Mm-hmm. And the Social Security Administration was created to administer the, a New Deal program of federal benefits, mm-hmm. things like welfare, or um, retirement benefits, Medicare. Mm-hmm. Um, the entire reason any of us originally were given a Social Security number was to track our lifetime earnings mm-hmm. and to um, determine how much we'd put into Social Security so that when we retired, they could determine how much we should get out in retirement. Right. That's why everyone has a Social Security number. Yeah, And because they're nine digits... Um, there's something like a billion different possible combinations, and we're about halfway toward using up the Social Security numbers. Oh, interesting, we, but but probably gaining fast. We are starting to gain much faster than we were before. Yeah. Good point. But we've still got plenty of time. But because of this, um, Social Security numbers get retired when you die, which we'll get to. But originally— when when you were given Social Security number, that was it. It wasn't meant for anything else but to track your earnings and to figure out your retirement, right? Yeah, not like when you get a go to get a haircut. Basically. And they ask you for your Social Security number. Yeah, in the 70s, the federal government said, okay, there's a couple of other things that you should really have your Social Security number for. A passport, 
Um, Makes sense. If you go to open a bank account, that was a new one too. I'll, I'll buy that. Um, but then, like you said, like as computers came along, now everybody asks oh, for man. it. It's become an identifier and, a, and an authenticator, and that is really bad. That is not what we should be doing with Social Security numbers. Yeah. It really, not only that, but the phone numbers and everything and addresses, it just annoys me. And I'm not like a conspiracy guy. It's not like I think like, oh, what are, what are they going to do with this? It just annoys me Well, that I can't get a haircut without right. providing. I'm like, I have cash in my hand. Yeah. You have scissors. Yeah. Can we just do this? Right. Can we do it like Floyd style? Yeah. You know. <laughs> but, oh, it annoys me. But even if you take away the annoyance, companies have proven time and time and time again that they're not to be trusted oh, protecting sure. your Social Security number. Yeah, there's that. Because to authenticate you saying who you are who you say you are, mm -hmm. they've got to have your Social Security number on file. Mm -hmm. And when somebody hacks into their databases, they get your Social Security number. All of your information is right there. And it's become a real problem, but it's also become a real problem living a modern life without giving out your social security number, right? Yeah. So we say all this to point out that if for some reason you didn't have a social security number any longer, it would be tough to navigate life. And that actually happens to some people. Yeah. If you've seen the movie Brazil. Oh, is it like this? You never saw Brazil? No. It's it's sort of this in a future dystopian world. But, you know, basically, like, it's it's bureaucracy at its best mm -hmm. of uh, someone who's, you know, dead or not dead, and the government mixes it up. Is that what Brazil's about? Yeah. I, I did not know that. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up, then, because we would have heard from people. It's it's an, yeah. It's good, right? It is. And uh, you should go listen to the Movie Crush episode on Brazil with Jonathan Colton. Okay. His oh, I will. Movie. Yeah. I didn't know that one. That one slipped past me. I wasn't talking to you, but sure. Oh, uh, <laughs> you're welcome to listen. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I'm part of everybody. I had to go to the Social Security office recently to get a card mm -hmm. because of this job in our new company. Really? Yeah. I had to prove, you know, whatever that I'm alive. You didn't and employable, I guess. You didn't just give them your passport. I couldn't find my passport because uh -huh. I'm in between houses right now, uh -huh. and it was buried somewhere. Okay, but you do have it because we're probably going to Toronto this year. Uh, I do have it. I did find it kind of after I went to the Social Security office. But all that was just to say that if you think the DMV is a pit of despair, <laughs> yeah, just go to the Social Security office. I don't want to. It's not fun. I really don't want to. No. So, um, okay, you can imagine how bad it is. When everything's just hunky-dory and you just need a copy of your card, that's all you needed, right? Yeah. For some people, some poor saps out there, they are thought by the government and listed by the government as having died. That's right. And that is a big problem. If you're alive. Yes, because, again, you need your Social Security number for everything to start with. And then secondly, because we have enough Social Security numbers to go around— like I said, when you die, your Social Security number gets retired with you. Yeah, they hang it in the rafters of your local NBA franchise. That's exactly right. If you look really closely, yeah. <laughs> they're all up there. But um, that's, that is a problem for somebody who gets listed as dead on what's called the death master file. Do I need to say it? No. <laughs> Even somebody listening to the very first stuff you should know right now, they know what you're saying. 
There's a bunch of good band names in here, but Death Master File is pretty good. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's also called the Social Security Death Index, but Death Master File is way better. I think you would agree. It depends on who you're talking to. I think genealogists typically call it the SSDI. Everybody else calls it the Death Master File is what I saw. You know why? Because they don't know how to party. <laughs> <laughs> or they've got their own little weird party going on. Oh, yeah. didn't think about that. Yeah. Um, yeah, you got to look at people differently sometimes. I was trying I mean? to think of the bumper sticker, genealogists do it blank. Mm-hmm. In the in the archives. <laughs> genealogists do it with their DNA. With their dead ancestors. <laughs> oh, God. Let's <laughs> <laughs> do bumper stickers. Yeah. Just have an ellipsis. That'd be kind of fun. So, uh, all right, where were we? The DMF. All right, it's, it was established the same time the social security numbers were back in 1936. And then it took all the way till 1980 before uh, the public could even see this list. Right, right. There was a Freedom of Information Act that was filed back in 1980. Um, and there was a lawsuit and the federal court said, you know what? Yeah, this is, this is public information. You have to publish this. And there's actually like a master death master file mm-hmm. that's called the Numident. And that's like everything. And that's the um, that's the one that the death master file is derived from. The public version of it is the death master file. Right, which uh, when you die, there are a bunch of ways that your name can uh, get to the SSA, mm-hmm. the Social Security Administration. <laughs> sometimes it's a funeral home. Sometimes it's from like a hospital. Sometimes it's from your family. Yeah. Because um, it's the family's responsibility, ultimately, to report it. Yeah. But most of the time, the funeral home is the one that actually does it as like a service. I wouldn't have known that. But I also saw, um, well, now you know. Yeah. Um, there's probably some poor stuff you should know, listener, our condolences. Sure. Who's dealing with this right now. It's your responsibility to go report this to the Social Security Administration. Yeah. Okay. That's sad. I also saw that your bank... The Postal Service, some other randos are legally allowed to report your death as well. So is the post off, uh, post person just saying like, I haven't picked up their mail in like three weeks. They're they, dead I to think, me. I think I should just report this. I don't. I don't know. I could. I could not find the procedure from that. Uh-huh. Anything other than a couple of good sources mention the Postal Service as a, a legal place, a legal entity that can report your huh. death to the feds. All right, so why do they want this death master file? Of course, if you have paid, um, well, the, the government needs to know if you're not around anymore. It's kind of that simple. There's a couple of reasons why. Yes, they need to know because— You, you get a little dough. They can't have your Social Security number out there. No. They need to know that you're deceased um, because they don't want to be paying um, income tax refunds. Right. If somebody starts filing them fraudulently, they don't want people opening bank accounts in your name. They want to make sure that you're listed as dead. Yes. And so that's what the death master file does. It kind of serves as this storehouse for all the people in America who've been dead basically since the 60s. But it goes as far back as 1936 or 37. Yeah, which is surprisingly more than 100 million people. Yes, but they think that there's maybe up to 16 million dead people missing from this list. It's oh, not really? It's not perfect. We'll spoil now. Well, I guess we should then follow that statement by saying there are tens of thousands of people on that list who should not be on that list. Right, exactly. But before we get to there, 
Um, this death master file originally was Social Security could track who was dead and who wasn't, so they could determine who to pay Social Security Administration benefits out to the survivors. Mm-hmm. Get this. Did you know this? If you're in America and you're the recipient, you're the survivor of somebody who gets Social Security, you get a cool $255 to help bury them. Yeah, that's when I said you get a little dough, That I meant little. A little dough. <laughs> yeah. Maybe like one of the fancy handles on the casket would be covered by that. I don't even yeah. think you can get cremated for $200. I don't know. I don't even think they'll leave you in a ditch out back for $200. <laughs> a sky burial costs more than that. Maybe that tri-state crematorium would take your $250, but that's it. Yeah. Do you remember them? Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. Evil. So, uh, like you said, mistakes are made, and this is where it turns slightly Brazil. Uh, there was an investigation in 2011, and they actually named Grave Mistakes, which is hysterical, mm-hmm. uh, by Scripps Howard News Service. And what they did was they took uh, this uh, master death file from three different years, 98, 2008, 2011. They created a computer program to basically just compare them to see what they came up with and that they found uh, almost 32,000 living people who were listed as deceased in 98 or 2008 that were then taken off that list after they realized that they goofed up in 2011. So these people had spent months, years maybe, um, listed as dead. And here's the problem. It's bad enough if you go to apply for Medicare because you've retired or Social Security benefits and the government says denied, um, you're dead, Mm -hmm. you're listed as dead. Because as far as the government's concerned, if you are on this, you're dead to them. Yeah. That's bad enough. But remember that Freedom of Information Act um, lawsuit that opened the thing up to being published publicly? Yeah. The reason why that suit was filed was because the business community said, hey, we can really use that thing. Yeah. there, It's basically, it would be like a big do not take checks from these people list for yeah. all dead Americans. Because if somebody comes to us and wants to open a bank account, wants to get an insurance policy, wants to get a car, wants to get a job, it doesn't matter. Wants to do something where they could take us for a ride if they're uh, a fraud then if we had this list to check against, like social security numbers or names or whatever, we could root out fraud and we could defend ourselves from identity theft and and the fraud that's perpetrated by it. And so banks, insurance companies, car dealerships, cable companies, employers, everybody, other government agencies. Barbers. All barbers. Don't forget them. (laughs) They all use this death master file, which is available publicly, to check your applications against. And if the government says that you're dead, it says it on this file, whether it's right or wrong, you're dead. Yeah. And that's a whole lot of problems for you. We're going to get into those right after this. All right, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. Because in Monopoly Go, you can team up with your friends for timed tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. It's very nice. That's right. And the more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. 
I'm talking about unique stickers that you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, or hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges, like digging for treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. That's right. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it now for free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! Hey everybody, it's time you heard about Squarespace. Squarespace has the tools you need to create and sell your own website, whether it's an online course or custom merch. Squarespace has you covered. That's right. Courses is a great program. You can start with a professional layout that fits your brand, upload video lessons to teach techniques and skills, and tailor your course with a powerful Fluid Engine editor. That's right. With Fluid Engine, which is a next generation website design system, by the way, it's never been easier for anyone to unlock unbreakable creativity. That's right. And don't forget the commerce side, because after that, you can charge a one time fee or you can even sell a subscription. Yeah. So turn your creativity into income with Squarespace courses. And right now, go to squarespace.com stuff for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code STUFF to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace. So before we broke, I was talking about that uh, that Scripps um, investigation. Yeah, and there was an Inspector General's report in 2008 that kind of uh, pulled back the curtain on this stuff. Mm-hmm. And Social Security said, uh, "Yeah, that's about right. <laughs> there's there's a lot of people, tens of thousands, that we think are are dead and aren't dead. But their their uh, success rate's pretty good. Yeah, and he said uh, they said, but we're at a 99.59." Uh, rate of accuracy, which is not too bad. For a government bureaucracy, that's really good. And they said that uh, 90% of the time it can, you can fix it in just a year. <laughs> just a hellish year. Yeah, not too bad. Um, and so uh, they basically admitted to being a government uh, – I don't want to knock them too much because mm-hmm. it feels like everyone's always, you know, knocking government work. Who? But they're basically saying like, yeah, man, it, these names are miskeyed or these numbers are miskeyed sometimes. They're like, S and it happens. happens. Yeah, yep. pretty much. So um, the the thing is that 0.41% error rate, that's tens of thousands of people every year. Yeah. There's like 2.7 million people added to this list every year who die in America, right? Wow. So it adds up to a lot of of errors. The thing is, the Social Security Administration, um, so they take their death master file, they hand it over to the National Technical Information Service, and they're the ones who distribute it to all the insurance companies, the genealogy websites. I think Ancestry.com publishes it. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the Credit bureaus. It, yeah, insurance companies, everybody who wants to do a background check on you. They all get their their versions of this from the um, t- the National Technical Information Service, but part of the agreement to get this from them, you have to pay for it, is that you have to keep your DMF up to date. 
Because if you just buy one every once in a while um, and the Social Security Administration finds an error on and updates their file, mm-hmm. if you don't go get the new file, your old file is still going to have that error. Right. And that's when it becomes problematic for the people who are listed as deceased when they try to go get credit. And it, it kind of has a tendency to spread once it's out there. Yeah. So, uh, like I said, sometimes it's being miskeyed. Um, one, I think they said like one out of every 200 is just from clerical error. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it can be like um, a family member goes to report a death and they accidentally make a mistake where they might end up being on the death list. Yeah, I, I don't know how that happens, but it does happen. There are people like Don Pilger. Human error. Mary Dubord. Who, who apparently Mary Dubord just gave up. She She's like, my husband can get credit cards still. I'm just going to live off of his. Uh, sometimes you this one woman named Candace Atkins just accidentally clicked deceased on a tax return on an electronic filing, and that was it. Can you imagine? No. I can't believe there's not an undo. That's Yeah, I was looking well, into I mean, that. She had submitted. I guess you could probably have undone it in the moment. But she didn't realize it and submitted it. Right. But you should still be able to undo that. You would think so. Um, and then there are some weird things, these uh, anomalies that you dug up. Um, more than 40% of false listings made in 2007 were f- from Illinois. Yep. That sounds like a hiccup in the system to me. A hiccup in the system or a super lazy data entry person? <laughs> you think? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, more than 2 million Americans were falsely listed as dying on the 15th, and that was just an internal policy is to use the 15th as a default value when mm-hmm. they didn't know. Right. Eh, middle of the month sounds good to me. Right. Um, and I guess that was just a question of not going to the trouble of verifying the information. Right. So, um, And it can happen the other way, too. You can be, uh, I think, at least 6 million dead Americans are labeled as alive, which is a huge problem because you're, you're just your information is out there ready to be abused by the nefarious. Well, no, that's the opposite. If you're if you're listed as deceased but you're still alive, your information is being published and can be used for identity fraud. If you're actually dead and not listed, if somebody knows that you're dead and not listed, they can use your stuff to to perpetrate fraud against the government. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Oh, okay. Yeah, 67,000 of those people, uh, of those numbers were used to report $3 billion in income between 2006 and 2011. That's a lot of tax return refunds. So Fraud. Yeah. So it's a problem both ways, where either you're dead and you're not listed on there, or you're not dead, and they they listed you anyway. That's right. And and like I was saying earlier, this once this information gets out there, because there's so many different entities getting this list, uh, once it's out there, it stays out there. It's very tough to go around to everyone and and get this information changed. Even once you get it changed with the Social Security Administration, because while it's a requirement to keep your your list up to date if you're a subscriber, there's no enforcement to it. There's yeah. nobody who comes along and says, let me see your list. Oh, it's not up to date. Give me uh, give me $10 that you're fine. There's nobody enforcing it. So once it's out there, it's very tough to undo. It takes it forever. Uh, well, less than a year on average, supposedly. <laughs> <laughs> so there are a lot of horror stories um, for what this can do to someone's life. Um 
this one person, uh, Rivers, what's the first name? Judy Rivers. Judy Rivers. Rivers Cuomo. Um, police actually detained Judy Rivers. Yeah. Uh, from using, because she used a debit card, her own debit card at a Walmart. At a Walmart. Plus, she also had a, um, a Mountain Dew bottle-sized meth lab in her pocket. <laughs> uh, but in like, it seems like all of these cases, it ranges from stuff like um, n- your insurance gets all messed up or your maybe disability checks or your Medicaid payments or you trying to get a home loan or trying to get a credit card. Like anything that you can think of where a Social Security number might help you. Can't get a haircut. Right. You should see how long the hair is on these people. <laughs> <laughs> Even if you have cash. <laughs> They won't do it. Uh, Rivers ended up living out of her car for six months. Yeah, she had just a really bad time of it for five years. Um, And at first she didn't know what was going on because she was frozen out of her bank accounts. Because this is something we said, like— like you you can't get future loans, you can't get future insurance policies, you can't get future credit, but also the stuff that you already have, mm-hmm. your current bank accounts, all that stuff gets frozen yeah. because you're listed as dead. And so that comes up on the computer and your account gets frozen. And even when you show up and say, hey, it's me, you know yeah. me, the teller can't do anything about it. The bank can't do anything about it. It's, it's done. Yeah. And now you've just been pitted against the system Yes. And it's like, there's no door you can go knock on and say, hey, we can clear this up in just a few minutes. I'm clearly alive. You just click the few little things you need to click to mm-hmm. get my life back. Mm-hmm. Because it's the U.S. government, it's not nearly that easy. So I guess, that Chuck, that brings up what to do. Because there actually are procedures in place. Like we said, the Social Security Administration says – This is not fully accurate. Anybody who gets this list needs to keep updating it as we update it. I think they released an updated list weekly. Mm -hmm. Um, They don't even tell you, though. You you find out the hard way almost always. That's a big one. Yeah. It's not like they say, by the way, we found an error um, because they don't know. They don't know you're alive. Right. So I actually called the Social Security Administration. You did? I did. Because I wanted answers. You didn't go to the office? No, I didn't. I was a little lazy. Coward. (laughs) It wasn't cowardless. It was laziness. So um, I, I was talking to like just the, the guy who answered, and he knew exactly what I was talking about, knew all the procedures. Oh. But I asked him, I was like, do you guys ever uncover this yourselves, or is it when people come to you that you know there's a mistake? He's like, yeah, when people come to us. So supposedly there's all these reforms in place and all that, hmm. but— I think still, for the most part, when an error is uncovered, it's because you found it out. But even if they do find it out, yes— what you said is true. They don't inform the person, which is kind of a violation of the um, the uh, Privacy Act, right? I would think so. Uh, from what I understand, it is like anytime your confidential information is breached and yeah. made public, um, you're supposed to be informed about that. So the SSA should be sending out letters. But as far as I know, they, they do not. I love this quote in here um, under the section on what to do. Like the Social Security Administration is trying to correct this. And there's a quote from someone who works there that said that sometimes they'll go out and see if older Americans are really still alive. And it it says this, we go to Medicare and see if anyone hasn't been to Medicare for three years. (laughs) And if they haven't been, we try to go out and make a phone call to call them and see if they're, you know, still here. (laughs) (laughs) 
And the interviewer was like, are you drunk? <laughs> That's what it sounds like. That was the follow-up question. Oh, man. So, yeah, they, I mean, supposedly because of things like that Scripps Howard News Service investigation in 2011, 60 Minutes did a big one and I think 2014 or 15. Oh, this is right up their alley. Yeah, for sure. Um, yes, it is. It's very 60 Minutes yeah. kind of story. <laughs> like the truth of what you just said ran through me like a bolt. <laughs> um, but the... The, the Social Security Administration has finally kind of started to be responsive, and they are supposedly undertaking reforms, including having investigators try to root this out themselves. Yeah. Which, ironically, they're relying on other government databases, like this guy said Medicare, to check their records against. They've stopped taking reports from the state and now only accept um, direct reports from right. people. But that in itself opened up another problem because they went back yeah. and cleared out the records of like 5 million Americans whose deaths have been reported from state databases. Right. So that 6 million went to something like 11 million of dead people who aren't on there. Now, are they actually recommending that you pull your credit report three times a year? Yes. Really? Yes. That seems like, I don't know. You're not, like that affects your credit. I don't know if that one does. Really? I, I know it's free for sure, but I don't know if it affects your credit or not. But yeah, so you get access to your the the credit reports from the three big bureaus, right? Are you gonna do that? You have you set up calendar reminders? No, I'm going to now. Like though. once a quarter I for had, the rest of your life to make sure time. you're not listed as dead. <laughs> I haven't had time today yet. It seems like if you're an active consumer mm-hmm. in the world, you would find out very quickly, very quickly, um, without having to do that. Yeah, that Scripps service, though, when they found the like 34,000 people who had been listed as dead, yeah. they tried to contact as many of them as they could. And they said about half of the people were well aware that they were listed as dead and oh, had sure. been through nightmare struggles. But strangely, like half had no idea what they were talking about. Huh. So it's like, what kind of life do you have to live to not be aware of that? Because you I, you or I would come up against it within a week or a month oh, or sure. something, it seems like. Yeah. Like, there would be something that came up where it's like, oh, wait a minute. Wait. Like, it says this information is not is incomplete. Or it says you're dead or something like that. We'd find out pretty or quick. Or just to go get money out of a cash machine. Right. It might say, sorry, your pen doesn't work. But I think the recommendation is, is in addition to finding out that you're listed as dead, gotcha. there's also a lot of other stuff that, that you can kind of keep tabs on by looking at your credit report three times a year, <laughs> once every four months. Yeah, and they say the real solution for all of us would be if every company on the planet doesn't require – well, here's the thing, though. They can't legally require your Social Security number to open up a, a – or start a telephone in your name at a home. Right. But they'll ask for it, and if you refuse to give it, like, you may not be able to get it all, or you may just have a really, really hard time. Yeah, they can refuse to do business with you, and that's the crux of the problem. Exactly. Because that de facto means that you need to play ball. Yep. Whether you want to give your Social Security number out or not, tough. Yeah. If you want that internet service or that cable service or you want that haircut, mm-hmm. you're going to have to play ball. Yeah, it was di- I remember <clears throat> growing up it was a like I remember I had a social security card and I remember my mom being like you you got to put that in your desk drawer oh, yeah, and I like remember. don't touch it ever. If somebody comes near your your drawer, <laughs> you shoot them with the, with this gun. Yeah, it was crazy and now it's just like I probably give out my so- social like th- twice a month. Right. 
But but because of those breaches, because so many people have your social security number now, yeah. and because hackers have gotten really good at getting into things like, um, I think it was Experian or TransUnion who were hacked in 2017. Oh, yeah, that was huge. Um, that, that was... Uh, it, it was not only I read. Not only did it basically just totally erode the public's trust in credit bureaus to keep our stuff private. Like they were the ones who were supposed to be unhackable, right? And I think 137 million social security numbers made it out into the wild Amazing. from that hack. Yeah. Um, that 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 not only eroded trust in the credit bureaus, it was the beginning of the end for using social security numbers like we do to authenticate or as identifiers. Yeah, companies, some are moving away from that now, right? Yeah, because they're getting sued and they're yeah. getting fines and they just realize they can't keep this stuff protected. The problem is no one knows what's next. A lot of people right. have talked about like blockchain, but nobody understands blockchain, which, by the way, we should totally do a blockchain episode. Yeah. Um, but everybody's kind of like, it's probably going to be blockchain. But first I have to go figure out what blockchain is. Right. <laughs> and then we'll we'll figure out how to do social security numbers through blockchain. I'm sure in some offices they're like, you know, the old barcode on the back of the neck seems silly, but it sure would work. <laughs> have you seen Brazil? <laughs> Should we take a break? Oh, yeah, let's. All right, let's take another break. And we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the rest of the world right after this. All right, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. Because in Monopoly Go, you can team up with your friends for timed tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. It's very nice. That's right. And the more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. I'm talking about unique stickers that you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, or hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges, like digging for treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. That's right. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it now for free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! <laughs> Hey, everybody. Did you know that Boricua is the name for someone from Puerto Rico? But it's more than just a name. It's a way of life and representation of the vibrant spirit of the island. Yeah, that's right. It's an island that's filled with adventure around every corner and natural treasures waiting to be explored, like El Yunque, the only tropical rainforest in the entire United States. That's right. Or you can get swept away by natural beauty and come away with unique stories that could only be experienced in Puerto Rico that remind you of why you travel in the first place. Visits end, but stories last forever. You don't become a part of the island. It becomes a part of you. That's right. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. So, Chuck, we're going around the world in 80 days in our nice little balloon. 
Actually, I said we we're going to talk about the rest of the world. We're only going to talk about one more place in the world. <laughs> hey, man, I got Canada. Oh, yeah? The UK. Okay. Basically, anywhere there's a, a country with a bureaucracy and a country where people die, there's going to be someone erroneously listed as dead. All right. So let's go to India. Okay, we'll do that. In India, it's not always an accident. Uh, sometimes it's an error, but sometimes um, you can do what they call, quote, killing people on paper, end quote, um, in order to say their property is mine, to lay claim to something mm-hmm. legally. You can, uh, you can do so, especially, I mean, they don't, it's not legal, but it's something that happens. No, you can bribe an official who will say, yeah. oh, okay, yes, this person is dead. Thank you for reporting their death. Here is their land, uh, uncle or cousin or whoever. <laughs> well, supposedly in the um, northern state of Uttar Pradesh, um, it, it's become a real problem there. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a man, there is a man. Yeah, he's still around. Uh, named Lal Bahari, who in 1976, at the age of 22, found out he was listed as dead. Uh, and his uncle, did his uncle do this or did his uncle his, just get the land? And, his uncle's family. Huh? His uncle's family did. Oh, they're the one that, mm-hmm. that purposefully yes. listed him as dead. Yeah. Just so they could get the land. Yep. He wow. went to go get a business loan. He was a loomer, and he went to get a business loan. And to get a business loan, he needed documentation of his identity. And when he went to go get that, the the local uh, records office is like, you're dead. And it took him 17 years to undead himself. Yeah, fortunately for the world, he had a great sense of um, absurdity. Of humor, <laughs> like his yes, but also like the humor in absurdity. Like he he realized like this is so preposterous, and he really used that as motivation to make huge moves. Yeah, he would answer the phone um, as dead person, mm-hmm. which is uh, Ritak. Is that how you pronounce it? I think you or just nailed silent? it. Uh, he would answer the phone like that. He organized the Uttar Pradesh Mritak Singh, which is the Uttar Pradesh Dead People's Association. <laughs> and it seems like really brought a lot of, like, attention to this through, like, almost like public, uh, absurdist public demonstrations. Public shamings, too. Yeah, like parades of uh, dead people walking around mm-hmm. on the steps of, like, the government buildings and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And finally, in 1994, he did have his death overturned legally. Um, did you see whether or not he got his land? I didn't see that, actually. I'm curious. It's a great question. I didn't even think about that. But, yeah, I, I, I did not. I don't know. But 221 people, um, because of his efforts in that area of India, were uh, had their deaths overturned. Yeah, I mean, so weird that say. was just in one year even. Which, what I think is cool about him is he founded this organization and got his – life back in 94, yeah. but still stayed on as the, you know, the driving force behind the, the Uttar Pradesh Dead Persons Association. And won an Ig Nobel Prize for it. Mm-hmm. Not bad. We did an episode on that, too. You remember the Ig Nobels? Man, that was a long time ago. Yep. Yep. So one more thing. We, I, we never really actually said what to do if you end up listed incorrectly as dead on the death master file. Start answering the phone as dead Chuck. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Shame the government. Also, the other thing you're supposed to do first is go in person to your local Social Security Administration. And by the way, this is information directly from the SSA to me, to you, Mm -hmm. because I called them. I know. The guy said, just bring a driver's license and passport and we'll handle it from there. And I was like, wait, that's it? He's like, yeah, you know, the the 
the information matches, your picture matches. That's all you need. And you said, and by handle it, you'll mean nothing will happen here. That's right. <laughs> right. And I go, so do you give the person, so they give you a letter saying this person's alive. Mm-hmm. They, they were listed as deceased by mistake. Give them their credit or whatever. Um, we love you, Social Security Administration. Yeah. And I said, do you, do you give the letter then once they prove it? Or um, he's like, no, once the file is updated, then we typically send the letter like, out. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, how long is that? You know, yeah. and it's weeks easily, if sure. not months, before you're going to get a letter. But if you find out the first thing you want to do, go to your local Social Security office with your passport and or your driver's license and say, Surprise. Yeah, I saw that one person even had to have a note from their doctor mm-hmm. verifying that they were indeed alive. Yep. Weird li- weird life. That must be. Weird, weird country. So uh, if you want to know more about the death master file, you can go look it up. It's kind of interesting, actually, as far as bureaucracy goes. And since I said bureaucracy, it's time for listener mail. Uh, I'm going to call this... Um, uh, this is a follow-up on the Rape Kits episode, which we got a lot of amazing and sad stories from that one. Uh, this is about the the money, the monies. Because remember on the show we said that, you know, you don't, uh, you have to pay for that stuff? Uh, for treatment. Yeah. Right. Apparently you can get money back, which we meant to go back and re-record a section and did not. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so this is by means of following up on that. Uh, hey, guys, long-time listener. First time writer, finished the episode on rape kits and realized I could offer some information that will hopefully bring some peace of mind. Uh, I work as a medical biller for a hospital in the Midwest. Part of my job is processing the sexual assault claims that come in. At our hospital, we have a program for those who present to the hospital uh, after a sexual assault. We, in partner with the state, cover all the charges that result from the initial ER visit, and the patient is given a voucher for any relevant follow-up care that they may need over the next three months. That is awesome. It is, and we realize that a lot of states do this after we had recorded and published the show. Yes. I'm Um, I'm so glad this person wrote in, though, so we could say. It is good to know. Uh, We also take steps to ensure that the patient will never see a bill or be contacted by our department in regards to their visit to reduce any re-traumatization. I'm the point person for this process here, handle all the claims personally, I'm not sure how many hospitals implement this program, but I hope this helps you all know that at least here, we do as much as we can to alleviate any unnecessary burden from our patients during this stressful and sensitive time. That was really great. Uh, Thanks for all you guys do. You have transformed many days, years, spent in a cubicle into opportunities to learn. Keep doing the great work. And that is from Maria. Thank you very much. That was amazing. Yeah, Maria, thanks for doing that job, too. That's tough stuff. Mm -hmm. That was the antithesis of another email we got, who basically said, regarding your little soapbox about how society should take on that cost, keep your politics to yourself, because I disagree. I don't know if I saw that one. It was a bad one, and I just wanted to say that that person is a butthead. (laughs) Oh, no, wait, maybe I did see that. I couldn't even bring myself to respond. I think I did, and I did respond. Oh, what'd you say? I don't remember. Did you tell them they were butthead? Go jump in a lake. There you go. (laughs) Um, Well, if you want to get in touch with us, whether we think you're a butthead or a saint, doesn't matter. We still want to hear from you. Or a beavis. (laughs) You can go on to Mm stuffyoushouldknow.com, check out our social links. You can also send us a good old-fashioned email. Wrap it up, spank it on the bottom, uh, spray it with perfume, and send it off to stuffpodcast at iheartradio.com. 
Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hey, if you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. Use promo code STUFF. 20 to receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Switch now at Visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com.